This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome to Elevate. How are y'all doing tonight? I want to come down and see you guys. We're here for one purpose and one purpose only. Are you ready for this? Elevate! Jesus! You guys sound awesome. Welcome. Welcome to Elevate. If this is your first time, I'm super glad you're here. We elevate Jesus here. That is the sole focus of every time that we gather. And it is my heart's desire that your love for God's word would grow and grow and grow and grow. Like, my dream would be that all week long, you guys are blowing up my phone and the phones of the leaders saying, I read this today, and it blew my mind, and here's a question. Here's something I didn't understand. I was reading in Genesis. Help me understand this. Man, I was digging into Psalms, and this was so beautiful. I just had to tell somebody. Blow up my phone. Text your leaders. My dream is that you would love God's word so much that you are engaged throughout the week, having gospel conversations with each other. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, oh Lord, let it be. Well, we are pouring through the gospel of Matthew, and it has been a lot of fun. Over and over and over again, Matthew is showing us that Jesus is king. He is worthy to be king. He exercises his authority as king. Last week we talked about that he distinguishes who his citizens are, who are the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And tonight, the king is going to reveal his glory as God's son. We're going to tackle what is probably now my, one of my very favorite stories in any of the Gospels. It's the transfiguration. Do you all know this story? Now your head yes. If you're like, yep, I'm, I'm with you. I know that story. If not, then I get to have the fun of sharing it with you. But before we get started, to kind of like lay the groundwork, I want to give you another ancient story. Has anyone in here ever read Homer's Odyssey or Iliad? Anybody? Like as a kid, I was fascinated. I was like a seventh grader and I like knew the whole story by heart. I thought that was such a great story. And I love as you get towards the end that Odysseus, the hero who has been on these crazy adventures... He's lost his entire army one way or another, and he shows up on the shores of Ithaca, his home kingdom. But while he's been away, a, a small army of suitors is courting his wife, and every one of them wants his power. They want his kingdom. And whoever marries Queen Penelope receives the kingdom. And he realizes that he can't just march up on the shores by his lonesome with no army, declare he's back. He's suddenly going to be the biggest target in the whole place. Everyone will want to kill him so that they can have power. And so he disguises himself. And the first thing he does is he finds two or three of his very trusted friends. And Odysseus reveals to his friends who he is by showing them a scar on his foot, which apparently was something that they knew about. And then he puts himself into this competition that Queen Penelope said, whoever can fire this arrow using my husband's old bow through 12 axes, axes apparently had holes in the heads of them, that person is the one who I will marry. And of course, one after another, they can't string the bow. The bow is made out of bronze. They can't bend it to put the string over it. 
And disguised Odysseus steps up and he strings the bow and he fires his arrow perfectly through the 12 axes. And it's at that point that he starts being revealed for who he is. And his guys that he trusts, they bar the doors and he starts cutting down his enemies one at a time. And his wife apparently was having a nap during this whole thing. I'm not really sure what was going on there. And then you have this big moment where he finds Penelope and she realizes who he is. That he is the king. He is the warrior who has been away. All authority is in his hands. And now, fully revealed, his people turn to honor him and his authority. And he receives back his kingdom and his queen. It's such a cool ending to a great odyssey. Royalty uncovered is one of the most common story tropes. You see it all the time. And there's this fun climax of pulling off the mask or the signet ring is shown or maybe even just revealing a scar. And it gives way to this fun reveal and it confirms that the enemy has very little power and authority is about to rise and have victory. And we see a little bit of this happen as we read the gospel writers. I want to start right away with John's perspective of Jesus And it's probably some of the most beautiful scriptures with the highest view of Jesus anywhere in the New Testament. John 1, I'm going to skip around a little bit for the sake of time, but I want to read this. Who is Jesus, according to his apostle John? In the beginning, a reference to Genesis, that creator who existed before time. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and in some crazy, complex way, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. When God breathed nostrils into mankind, the Word was involved. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness. This creative, Genesis 1. And God spoke into the darkness and there was light. In him, the light shines into the darkness and the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. Jump forward to 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt, it was with us, it tabernacled with us. It spent time with us. It wore sandals. It dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, He, Jesus, has made him known. This is who Jesus is according to John. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. Through Jesus, all was created. And it was Jesus who became flesh that would help us, that would teach us, that would explain God to us as God himself. For a moment of time, God perfectly, holy, and infinitely, was yet concealed in flesh. Like disguised royalty, fully God 
and fully man. And maybe his apostles weren't entirely convinced by all the prophecies. They were just coincidences. Maybe they didn't really take at face value the fact that Mary was a virgin. Or maybe somehow these incredible physics-breaking miracles were just not enough for them to believe in who Jesus was. But at the transfiguration, there's no more room left for debate. The full recognition of the king's glory is unconcealed at the transfiguration. Jesus is the bridge. He's the mediator. They would encounter God through Jesus. At the transfiguration, they're going to encounter Jesus in a way that only two men in all of human history encountered God. So leading up to the transfiguration, three big things happened. And you have to understand that these three things coincide and they are the gateway to the transfiguration. The first thing is Jesus questions the disciples. Who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, moved by the Holy Spirit, speaks outside of his own brain and says, You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. No human lips up until this point had ever declared Jesus as the Christ. This was huge. And then immediately, Jesus says, I am going to die. I will be handed over. And three days later, I'll be resurrected. So as soon as they get a glimpse of who Jesus is, he immediately says, hold that thought. Everything is about to flip on you. And you know what? Number three, my followers will also abdicate their lives for the kingdom, just like me. Now, in less than a week after these three events, the revealing of Jesus as Messiah, his apostles get it. Jesus tells them and predicts his own death and resurrection. He calls a shot like Babe Ruth. And then he requires of his followers to give up their lives just like Jesus. Jesus singles out three And he takes them up on a high mountain. And I'll give you a clue. Just like we saw Jesus being compared to the new Moses earlier in the series, start looking for clues. Because Matthew is going to do that for us again. Let's read through this thing, and then we'll break it down little by little. In the beginning, that's not it. Let's go to Matthew 17, 1 through 8. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. High mountain, Mount Sinai, Moses, going up. And he was transfigured before them, as in his appearance changed. His figure was transformed. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while Peter was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. 
And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. There is a swirl, a whirlpool of Old Testament references, revelations, characters. And we're going to unpack just a fraction of what's going on here tonight. But before we do, I need to share with you a new term that you might not have heard before. It's not in the Bible, but Jewish rabbis would call sightings of God's presence, his manifest presence of power on earth, they called it his Shekinah glory. And Shekinah simply means a dwelling or a dwelling with. And they would use this term about maybe the pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of Egypt. That was God's manifested power. It was the Shekinah glory that swirled around the Egyptians so that they couldn't see and block them from attacking the Israelites. It was his glory that settled on Mount Sinai in fire and cloud and lightning. It was his Shekinah glory that would hover over the tent of dwelling, the tabernacle that Moses would go and visit. It was that same glory that descended on the temple at Solomon's dedication that was so powerful that the priests couldn't stand or sing anymore. It was that glory, the Shekinah glory, that you'd see throughout the Bible. And it's marked with clouds and smoke and wind and lightning and fire. If you look up, one of the two places that they argue is Mount Sinai, the top of the mountain peak is charred black. Because God's manifest presence parked in physical humanity on earth. The Shekinah glory. So when we're looking at this transfiguration, you need to realize what we're looking at. It's huge. It's something they've only read about, dreamt about. Matthew 17, 1. And after six days, Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John, and he led them up a high mountain representing Sinai by themselves. By the way, Jewish law said that for there to be a witness in a court case, there had to be two to three. So Jesus is making sure that when this news comes out, there are a legal number of witnesses. Matthew 17, 2. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. Oh, son of righteousness. Mark series? Oh, so good. And his clothes became white as light. What he looked like changed. His face shone like the sun. And this is a direct callback to Moses. Look at this. Moses, or Exodus 34, 29-33. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, that's the Ten Commandments of Testimony, in his hand. And as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. God's presence is contagious. And Moses had been with God, and his very skin was glowing from it. And behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, they put a veil over his face. So Jesus 
is being seen as the new Moses. This encounter on top of this mountain is being recognized as the same kind of Shekinah glory that they only dreamt about and read about in the Old Testament. Why? Check this out. I just want to point out that the glow of Moses could be hidden by a veil. But what God did through Jesus shined so brightly that it blew his clothes out white. Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 18. This is God prophetically speaking through Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. God is unapproachable, but a mediator is going to come. And you'll be able to know to this mediator because he'll be like Moses. That's what this prophecy is all about. God is fire and smoke is the best way they can compare what it looks like to see his manifest presence. You don't get near that. Anyone who got too close to the mountain died. He is unapproachable. And yet there will come one like Moses who will be a mediator on his behalf. A prophet like Moses. He would deliver his people from bondage. He would fill the offices of prophet, priest, king, and judge. And he would speak to God as a man speaks to his friends. But this prophet will surpass Moses. Matthew 17.3. Let's keep going. And behold, there appeared to them And this is where it gets really fun. There appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Jesus is just hanging out with two of the greatest heroes of all time. Moses in the Old Testament was the great intercessor. He represented the law. It was Moses that led them out of bondage. It was Moses that brought them to Sinai. It was Moses that communicated to them the law of God. And listen now, it was Moses who sealed the blood covenant for redemption with God's people. Moses was one of the ones that met him. And it was Elijah, the great reformer. The one who called fire down from heaven onto the altar. The one who single-handedly killed hundreds of prophets of Baal. The one who raised a kid to life. And they're talking with Jesus. Why these two? If you wanted to talk about a prophet, you could have grabbed Isaiah. Jeremiah would have been cool. Daniel would have been really neat. But why these two? And the answer is so cool. Check this out. Exodus 33, 17 through 23. Moses is speaking. And he goes to God and has a very audacious request. Moses said, please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and show mercy to whom I show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in this cave, and I will cover you with my hand until I pass by, and then I'll take my hand away and you'll see my back. But my face will not be seen. 
And obviously this is an anthropomorphism. God doesn't have a back. He doesn't have a hand. But he's showing Moses the after effects of his undiluted glory. But to see his full glory would kill him. Check this out. Elijah, 1 Kings 19, 8 through 13. Elijah is on the run for his life. And he ends up, ironically, coincidentally, very coolly, at Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. And he ends up in a cave on Mount Sinai. Maybe the same cave that God put Moses in? Could be, kind of a cool thought. And it says that God came to Elijah. His Shekinah glory, he came to Elijah in this wind. And he looks out of the mouth of the cave, and the wind is breaking rocks and it's smashing mountains. And although that God's power was doing this, that's not how God chose to spoke to Elijah. So God came in this earthquake, and the, the ground is shaking. And this is God's presence. But it wasn't in the earthquake. And then God comes in this consuming fire, this raging torrent. And God chose not to speak through the fire until God spoke to Elijah personally in this still, small whisper. Verse 13 of 1 Kings 19. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And then God sends him on mission. But you can go read that for yourselves. Why Moses and Elijah? It's because these are the only two men who have ever had the exclusive privilege of encountering firsthand God's Shekinah glory in all of history. Everyone else saw from over there, on that mountain, over there above the temple. These are the only two men that can stand as witness that God's presence is here. But they're not referring to a fire. God's Shekinah glory isn't swirling in smoke or lightning or earthquakes. These two men are standing witness to God's manifest glory on earth as a man. Surrounding Jesus Christ. His heavenly... What we're seeing here is we're seeing a tear between heaven and earth right here on the top of the mountain. The corner of the veil is showing a peak to these three apostles. And they're seeing Jesus, King Jesus, in his complete glorified-ness. And it's that God of glory, the creator God, the God that split the sea, the God that flooded the earth, the God that fought armies on their behalf, the God that opened up the ground and swallowed the rebels. That God stands in front of them as Jesus Christ. He is Yahweh. And then we get these cool verses in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10 1 through 4 says that it was Christ who was present in the Exodus. We're like, what? Jude, who was the brother of Jesus, kind of cool. Jude, chapter 1, verse 5, says that it was Jesus who saved the Israelites out of Egypt and destroyed those who didn't believe. 
Remember what we said last week? That it's Christ in the Old Testament concealed, but it's the Old Testament in the New revealed. It's been Jesus all along. He's been ever-present. Let us make man in our own image. Jesus is Yahweh. Colossians 1, 15-17. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the visible image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities. All things are created through him and for him. He is before all things, preeminent. And in him all things hold together. Let's go back to our text. The Shekinah glory has touched earth, and it's not in a cloud or a fire. It is in a man, Jesus Christ. Matthew 17, 4. So how do they react? And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you wish, I will make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he's just speaking out of his normal, impulsive, brash Peterness. And he just, it's almost like he interrupts this conversation between Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. And they're all like, what? What are you, you're here too? And Peter's like, yes, let's build a memorial. This is going to be great. And it's almost like Jesus is lumping Jesus, it's almost like Peter is lumping Jesus in with Elijah and Moses. Like they're all on par. Like, hey, let's just build three tents. Yay, Jesus, you made it to being as cool as Moses and Elijah. He's missing it entirely. (laughs) Totally over his head. And Peter still has his mouth open when God responds. I love this. Verse uh, 5 of chapter 17. Peter was still speaking, and God cuts him off. Sometimes we need the Lord to do that with all of us. He was still speaking, when behold, a bright cloud. First of all, clouds are not bright. Nothing earthly is happening here. A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved Son. God's voice comes from the cloud, and he echoes what was said at the baptism. Listen to him. Did you all catch that? Anybody? Remember the prophecy of Moses? Let's go back. Deuteronomy 18, 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from among you, from your brothers. It is him that you should listen to. Jesus isn't just the new Moses. He's not just the prophet who is greater than Moses. Jesus is the one who is speaking to Moses. You see what I'm saying there? Jesus is not a little bit greater than Moses and Elijah who are visited by God. Jesus was the God who was visiting Moses and Elijah. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Matthew 17, 6. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. This is the appropriate response to the Shekinah glory of God. You hit your face on the ground. You are Humble, you're recognizing your sin and your puniness compared to the omnipotent, sovereign God of the universe. 
This is another reflection of Exodus, Exodus 20. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain, the mountain smoking, the Shekinah glory of God on Mount Sinai, the people were afraid and trembled and they backed up. They stood far off and they said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us. You be the intercessor. You be the one that goes and talks to God. Then you come back and you talk to us. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And the people stood far off. And look at Moses' character. And while the rest of them were quaking in fear, Moses in fear gets closer. Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Oh, that that would be our character. It is 100% true across human history that every encounter with God's presence, his Shekinah glory, has been met with people on their faces in fear. Now watch this. Right here, we see the importance and the mission of, of Jesus Christ. Matthew 17, 7, they're on their faces in fear at the voice of God, but I love that. But Jesus came. But Jesus came and he touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. That's it. That's the mission of Jesus. God was unapproachable. Fire, earthquakes, lightning. To get too close to him, you would die. Holiness cannot be with what is unholy. There is nothing for us but fear, trepidation. Get out of there. Back up. But Jesus came. But Jesus was our intercessor. But Jesus was our bridge The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And in him we saw the glory, the glory of the only son of God. He was the visible image of the invisible God. But Jesus came and he came with hands. And he came in flesh. And he reaches out to his people and he puts his hands on their shoulders and he says, I'm approachable now. It is through me that you can know God. In the Old Testament, that Shekinah glory rested on the temple. And the temple had actual multiple levels. There was the outer courts, which was the court of the Gentiles. Anyone in here a Jew? Anyone? Jewish? 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 No? Okay, so that's as far as you could go. If you were visiting God and you wanted to encounter him, the closest you could get to God's presence was the outer court of the Gentiles. If you were Jewish, you could go to the inner court. It's as close as you were going to get. If you were a priest, you were born a Levite, and you were a priest, you could go to the holy place inside. You're really close. Still as close as you could get to God's presence. One man, one time a year, bringing one sacrifice, the high priest could actually go behind the curtain separating the holy place from the holiest of holy places, the holy of holies. And in there dwelt God's manifest presence. The Shekinah presence 
on earth. And if he was not holy, he would die. They would put bells, according to Jewish tradition, they put bells on the hem of his garment and tie a rope around his ankle in case he went in there and the presence of a holy God killed him for being unholy. They could drag the body back out. One man, one time a year, the high priest could go in bringing blood of the sacrifice, of that perfect offering, and encounter the Holy of Holies. That was as close as you could ever get. But Jesus has come. Jesus came and he touched them. The relationship between God and man has changed forever because of the person of Jesus. Sovereign creator, Yahweh, has made himself accessible. He's made himself approachable. He's made himself available through Jesus as our high priest. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter, where? The holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that's Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You're no longer stuck in the court of the Gentiles or the court of the Jews are stuck outside the curtain. But because of Jesus being the bridge, of Yahweh himself being in flesh, concealed as the God-man, we have access through his death and resurrection, through his blood, to know God. Matthew 17, 8. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. God had peeled back the corner of the veil for them to see just for a moment. They were left reeling, shocked, stunned, and breathless. They had seen the glory of the King of Kings, the Son of God. And now they had seen the signet ring revealed. They had seen the mask taken off. And you know what? The day is going to come that after the death, after the resurrection, when Jesus comes to reveal himself to his disciples, he's going to show them his scars. That they would know the God who sacrificed it all for them. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only son of God, full of grace and truth. It was Christmas Eve. And a husband and wife, who the husband was not a believer in this whole Jesus thing, he stayed home. But the wife went to a Christmas Eve service. And he was annoyed that his wife was leaving because he wanted to have Christmas Eve with her and totally didn't understand, like, what, what is the point of all this? And it was a really snowy night. He could hear the whipping wind. He could see the snow hitting against the glass. And he sat warm by the fire. And suddenly, out of the darkness, he heard a thumping sound. Something cracked against the glass of their big bay window of their living room. And so he went into the other room, and he looked out, and he didn't see anything. And 
he heard it again, smack against the glass. And he had watched again, and suddenly a bird hit the window in front of him. Bow! And it fell with his neck broken into the snow. There had been birds, and they had been flying, and they got caught in the storm, and they saw the light of his fireplace through the window, and they saw warmth, they saw hope, and they saw this light. And one after another, this flock of birds is smacking, breaking their necks into this window. So quickly he goes and he extinguishes his fireplace, and another one hits, bow! And he turns off all the lights in the house, bow! And he runs out into the snow with, with his shoes on and his robe, and he's freezing, and he runs to their barn door, and he pulls the barn over, and he knows there's hay in the barn. It's warm in there with the animals. If only he could get the birds to come to the barn. And he thinks to himself, if only for a moment, if I could just be a bird, I could lead them to safety. I could lead them to this warmth out of the snowstorm. And it was then that he heard the midnight church bells ring. And it clicked. Why Jesus would conceal himself in flesh to be approachable and to show man who God was, who life was, who hope was. And the apostles got a little glimpse behind that veil. If you want to study this out further, go and read Hebrews chapter 9. Study it, and it's going to come to life with this knowledge. So how do we apply this transfiguration? I think we ought to go with what the text says. This is my son. Listen to him. You have not read the Bible once until you've read the Bible twice. Because you're going to go through the Old Testament. You're going to read about these heroes and these characters and these weird laws. You're going to read about covenants and you're going to read about these crazy stories. And then you get to Jesus. And it's like when you get to the end of a movie and it has this twist ending that changes how you perceive the rest of the movie. And you're like, what? And you can't wait. You start the movie over again so that you can read the movie through the eyes of knowing the ending. All of a sudden, when you approach Scripture, you start seeing Israel being brought out of Egypt into the desert. Like Jesus' parents who took him to Israel and brought him out to return to Nazareth. You start seeing in Moses, Jesus. You start seeing in Daniel, Jesus. In David, over and over again. You start looking at these strange, bizarre laws, and they start pointing to Jesus. And you see the covenants that are established with man again and again, and there's Jesus. He is, in the Old Testament, concealed, and he is, in the New Testament, fully revealed. And the prophets and the laws and all this Old Testament stuff, it doesn't become irrelevant. It becomes illuminated because the full and complete self-revelation of God stood in flesh for us. Where do we begin with the transfiguration? We get to know who God is and who Jesus is through his word. I love it that in 2 Peter, Peter is remembering the transfiguration when he writes, and he says, we were eyewitnesses to the glory. We were eyewitnesses, and we heard with our own ears that God called him the only Son of God, and yet we have a greater assurance, and that is the Word of God. We can turn to the Word of God and see him for all that he is. So if you haven't read the Bible 
get started. I'll be honest with you, a lot of what we've talked about tonight, what I've monologued for way too long now about tonight, if you haven't read Scripture, has probably gone right over your heads. Get into God's Word. And all of a sudden, things are going to start clicking. You're going to start seeing connections you never imagined. And the Bible itself becomes a testimony to who God is. And the second thing that I hope you get out of tonight is I've got to ask you, is Jesus going to be your connection to the Father? Is he going to be your bridge? Will he be the one in full glory who has the hands that can reach you? Making God approachable and available. Will he be that for you? Listen to him. Listen to him all the days of your life. Recap. The transfiguration shows King Jesus' glory as God's son. The Shekinah glory was God's manifest presence touching earth in the Old Testament. The only two men who ever encountered his Shekinah glory firsthand were Moses and Elijah. The mountain, the cloud, the shining skin all show Jesus as the prophet that Moses promised would come. Instead of Jesus being a greater prophet who is visited by God, Jesus is the God who visited those prophets. God commanded the apostles and commands us today to listen to Jesus because he is the bridge connecting us to the sovereign God. He is God's means of being accessible. So I challenge you to go read your Bible. And you know what? It has a lot of hard things to say, a lot of hard things to be obedient to. And I'll tell you, the toughest thing about the Bible is not the parts that you don't understand. According to Mark Twain, the hardest thing about the Bible is the parts that we do understand all too clearly. One of the things that it says is that we love our enemies. And so let's listen to Jesus this week. And I'll give you the challenge that you look for some way to be kind or be a blessing to someone that you don't like or doesn't like you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. May we be a people who love the way you loved and who listen to you. Thank you, Lord, that we get to see in your word a revealing of Jesus, of you in your full glory. Lord, bless every man and woman tonight. I pray that you will show them your face, that they will have a real encounter with you, that they will lay their sins at the foot of your cross, that they will put their faith in you, that you have saved them, not because of any works that they could ever do, Not because of their faithfulness, but their trust in your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Let it come to life. We give this all to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.